On March 13th in 2020, we shut down the office like most places did. That was the last time all of us were really in our newsroom together. When the COVID-19 pandemic forced office spaces to evacuate over a year ago, the typical newsroom with tight cubicles and scattered coffee cups turned into Zoom calls and Slack messages overnight. Now, some newsrooms may never reopen. Over 60 newsrooms across the United States have closed their doors, and that number keeps rising. With virtual reporting becoming the norm, what does this mean for journalists? Will their jobs ever be the same? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Stories podcast from UConn Journalism. My name is Rachel Philipson, and I'll be your host discussing COVID-19's effect on the physical newsroom and the future of virtual reporting. Reporter Izzy Barton talked with Charles Sennett, the founder, CEO, and editor-in-chief of the Ground Truth Project, as heard from in the beginning of this episode. The Ground Truth Project is a nonprofit news organization based in Boston at the WGBH flagship. He runs two outlets, the United States-based programming, Report for America, and the global-based programming, Report for the World. He has been extremely impressed with a staff of 50 reporters and how they've adapted to all the challenges that come with virtual reporting throughout the pandemic. So I've been amazed at how efficient uh, they are and how hard they have worked through all of this. So the Report for America um, reporters who are in small communities across America are, are really trying their best to do their job. They can cover meetings virtually. They can, when they have to be, respond to a scene, but it's mostly virtual work. Our global reporting on migration we're looking at refugees as a very vulnerable population during COVID, and we are out there with them on the borders talking to them. But there are stories that you have to be there to try to tell. If you're gonna be a true first responder and you're gonna be on the ground and you're gonna tell that story, you have to do it, but you just have to do it with incredible respect uh, for this pandemic and incredible respect for the idea that in doing your job, you could put yourself at danger and you could put others at danger, both in the field, talking with them, but also when you come home with your colleagues or your family. It's just a whole new reality. And it's both COVID related, the peril we face, but it's also about unrest in this country. And these days it has felt sort of like we were, we were in uncharted waters and we had to, uh, to quote a famous phrase, we felt like we had to cross the river by feeling the stones. This was a place where we'd never been before. It was very uncertain terrain. I don't, I don't think we've had a year of news like we've just had ever before in American history, at least in a hundred years. This is the most extraordinary year for the importance of journalism and the strains on journalism and the ways in which we're gonna have to really think about doing our job. Due to its history of global reporting, the Ground Truth Project has had some aspects of virtual reporting in its repertoire since pre-COVID. However, for Hartford Current staff writer Emily Brinley, she was used to covering local news purely from her physical newsroom. When she had to dramatically change to virtual pandemic coverage, Brinley told reporter Raquel Williamson that it took a lot of adjusting. Before the pandemic, I covered West Hartford mostly as a community reporter, a town reporter. And then once the pandemic hit, Myself and one of my coworkers, Alex Putterman, we were pulled on to coronavirus coverage full time. So for us, it's been it's been a change not only shifting to working remotely, but also shifting our jobs entirely. It has been a lot different. Um, it's meant for both of us 
that we have to really learn on our, our feet. Neither of us had ever done any public health reporting before. We really hadn't done any state government reporting. And so it was a, it was a crash course in both of those for us. Um, a lot of learning and a lot of late nights and a lot of panicked phone calls, but I think we've gotten pretty good at it over the past year. When it was announced in December 2020 that the Hartford Current was permanently closing its newsroom, Brinley said she knew her reporting would never be the same. I think it was a gut punch for everybody in the newsroom. We had heard of other newsrooms closing at some of our sister papers because we're owned by a our parent company, Tribune Publishing. So it wasn't entirely a surprise, but it still was pretty difficult to deal with. Um, the current had been in that building since the 1950s. So it's really difficult to see it closed and to kind of see that, that light at the end of the tunnel extinguished, knowing that we wouldn't be going back anywhere after the pandemic. For Daniela Marulanda, ESPN Features Production Assistant, she told reporter Brendan Carpenter that she saw virtual reporting as a personal challenge to test her abilities as a storyteller at the start of the pandemic. I've always thought of myself as like a creative person. So like this was like a chance of challenging myself to like find new ways where I could tell the same story in with like the same quality without having necessarily those like visual elements of like really nice cameras and really nice backgrounds and lighting and stuff that that you see on 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 ESPN interviews so yeah it's it's just being young and and seeing how other other outlets and keeping up with like the trends and and whatever I I I I, for me it it was just like a challenge of like oh okay so how are we going to tell this story so it's not just this zoom um, phase that you're talking head that you're seeing on your on that and if that's what we have then can we do some animations or um, can we what b-roll like best really shows us um, the 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 thing that the player is talking about so it's not just three minutes of so of like you and I right now on zoom although Marulanda has enjoyed the creative challenge she said her work is suffering by not having proper equipment or access to the athletes, she's lacking key content. We don't have um, that in-person access to athlete. The athlete himself may not be wanting to expose himself to like a crew. Like the team may not even let you really close to them because they're protecting their player and, and their team. So now everything like he was like Zoom or nothing for a while. Sometimes the, the, the video production team of their team would record for us and send us the files so it was just a lot of of, of like zoom uh, we don't have access with the athletes you usually for a feature we would like to get like organic moments like kind of documentary things but now that's not the case that was probably the biggest thing it's just like everything went digital we didn't get the access to the players you really want to tell a story well told and sometimes it's really hard to do it when I'm here in Connecticut and and the interviews happening somewhere else but I think I adapted pretty quick. Brinley's newsroom may permanently be virtual but for the time being the majority of her interviews are as well. She said it's hard to form a genuine connection with someone who has never had media training remotely. I definitely think that you have to be more intentional if you are trying to build that connection with somebody. To some extent, the kind of day-to-day interviews haven't changed all that much. Most of the te- most of the people that we talk to are, you know, state officials or other people who are used to talking to the media. So those kind of standard interviews aren't really all that different. 
What has changed is when we're trying to really uh, create a connection with somebody who maybe is telling us information that's personal or, or something like that. And that does definitely require being just a lot more intentional and listening carefully when people are talking to you so that you can ask those really insightful questions that they may not bring up on their own. It is definitely more difficult, but I don't think that it's impossible. It just takes a little bit of, of changing tactics and finding out what works for you on the phone versus what works for you in person. Sennett said he knows virtual coverage will never be a permanent solution because it opens the door for ethical dilemmas and hinders the reporter's freedom of speech. The other thing that really concerns me about meetings in a virtual era is the moderators control the mute button. And this is a really interesting question of freedom of speech and freedom of the press in the United States is why do they control the mute button? It's supposed to be a public meeting, it's a public hearing, and they are directing a little bit too much <laughs> and they have too much control. And I think we have to, as journalists, be, be really, really aware that that is a perilous line. And we, we have to be um, vigilant about not allowing it to become abused by, uh, by the powers that be, whether that's in a really local setting, a county setting, a state setting, or even a national setting. Both Senate and Brindley said one of the hardest things about working out of a virtual newsroom is losing the in-person connection with coworkers. Well, I think for everyone, and journalists included, it's just a really draining time that we don't have any in-person contact. There isn't the casual conversations at the water cooler or, or over desks, and so, Communications that should be more casual and quick and happening all day long aren't happening. I think the thing that I miss the most is just the casual interactions that we don't have any anymore. I miss being able to like tease other reporters and, and to hear what they're working on and all of those things that are really, really difficult to, to replicate over Slack and over Teams as much as we might try to. For her, Marulanda said the field must go back to in-person reporting and working with colleagues in a physical newsroom. We, if as long as we take the precautions, if like things are gonna be okay, so it is gonna take some time. I think we're just it's gonna be a long time before we go back to the normal where we're like traveling across the country to go and interview um, um, Fernando Tatis Jr. or whatever, because they don't want to put themselves at risk. The team doesn't want to put their players at risk and ESPN doesn't want to put us at risk either of like um, getting COVID and, and stuff like that and spreading it. So it, it probably is going to take some time. I think if we we have done stuff with cameras and and stuff, but it not as, it's, it's a lot harder. And it, we have a whole new process right now where like if you, if I wanted to do a feature well, I just did a feature with Brian Ortega, who's a new UFC fighter. And we got him, like we got him at this gym and whatever. But in order for me to even be like, yeah, I'm gonna start planning who I'm gonna send and like the report and everything, there had to be a plan submitted. So ESPN could review it and make sure that it was safe. So it, it's gonna take some time, um, but we're doing it. Um, like we, we're still pushing to be not just have everything on, on Zoom. Senate said the pandemic has been the hardest for young reporters, and he has been working hard to keep them on the top of their game. And I think the, uh, the, 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 the pandemic has taken an extraordinary toll on, on these emerging journalists. These are mostly young journalists. Many of them are in cities where they've just moved for the first time. 
it's hard enough to be a reporter in a city you don't know too well in good times, but when you can't be out on the street talking to people, meeting them in person, extraordinary challenges. Brinley echoed Senate's concerns for young reporters. When she was first starting, Brinley said she learned the most from observing her fellow reporters in person. I think that that newsroom experience is most important when you're first starting. So I had already been a reporter for two years when we went remote, which is not a lot of time, but it's it's at least a, a little bit of time to learn from my, from my colleagues. So I, I am really grateful that I got those two years of eavesdropping and listening to how other people do things. I do really think that that helped me to develop different interview tactics and to understand that Everybody does things differently. You know, I, I could eavesdrop on two great reporters in the newsroom and hear how different their styles were, which kind of gave me the confidence to develop my own style um, and to realize that whatever works for somebody else, that might not be what works for you and what works for you might not work for somebody else. But I will say that since we have gone remote and I can't do that anymore, it has meant that I, I, I probably haven't learned as much as I could have during this time. It's been a time of you know, really, really quick learning and a lot of learning compacted into a small space. But I think I could have gotten even more out of the past year if we were still in the newsroom. Right now, it's not so much those eavesdrop conversations, but the kind of collaborative time that we don't really get together anymore. You know, I, I don't talk to the business reporters as often because their coverage doesn't overlap with my coverage. But that's a loss to the newsroom because it, it means that both of us might be missing those kind of unusual stories that we might not have thought of if we didn't talk to, to each other. However, not all is lost for young reporters who will be entering the workforce in this new virtual or hybrid landscape. Brinley advised new reporters to take risks and to reach out to veteran reporters for their guidance. I think the biggest thing and the most important thing, especially when you can't have those kind of eavesdrops conversations and things, is to just be bold in asking for help. You know, everybody, maybe not everybody, most people around you are going to be willing to help you if you just ask for it. And I know that it can be intimidating or awkward to, to send an email to somebody or to DM somebody that you don't know very well, but it really is important to have input from people around you, especially from people who've been in the field for longer. And I have found personally that every time I've reached out to somebody and asked for help, they've been willing to help me. So I, I would say like don't don't blindly send out emails to people like have an understanding of what you're looking for and what you would like help with. But definitely be aggressive about asking for help and don't be shy about asking for help. It can go a long way and building those relationships intentionally is even more important when there isn't a newsroom for you to step into. The newsroom might not have the tight cubicles and scattered coffee cups anymore, but the core of strong reporting and storytelling will always stay the same, no matter the format. For the Behind the Stories podcast from UConn Journalism, I'm Rachel Phillipson. Thank you to UConn Journalism students Izzy Barton, Raquel Williamson, and Brandon Carpenter for their reporting and additional help with this episode. Music is In the Dark by Crowander. To find more Behind the Stories podcasts from UConn Journalism, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or at journalism.uconn.edu.